Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Can I wear glasses during this thing? Oh, my God. I'm getting really Hollywood. I can't with you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mark and Heidi podcast. We are the other D'Amelios. Hello, I'm Heidi. And I'm Mark. Let's talk about, this is our weekly date. We have to just kind of touch base on that a little bit. Um, If you've listened to any other podcasts, you know that um, there's been times, a time, that I dressed up and Mark didn't. And then another time where we both just were super comfy. Today, I... I feel like I'm a put together jeans, a little shoe boot with a heel so nice. and a white button down. Mark also has on a white button down from the waist down. He gave up and he's got sweatpants and uh, vans, but you look great. These are high quality tapered yoga <laughs> pants that this isn't just, these aren't slacks or sweatpants. These are, this is. But, a... but um, you saw that I was wearing a white button down and then you also were decided to wear a white button down. I already had down. it in my, mm, half of my shirts are white button down. So That's true. But you look great, and um, I'm so happy to be here with you on our podcast date. Cool. Want to talk about uh, what happened over the weekend? Yeah. It was a fun weekend. It was a hot outside. It was so nice. Yeah, it's nice that LA is starting to open up, and restaurants are open, and a lot of people are out and about. Dixie is doing YouTube, and she has a team that works with her that um Tommy and our and a few other people on our team decided to kind of make things cool instead of having a typical meeting at our house or um we decided to go out to dinner to Nobu in LA and have our meeting there which was a lot of fun and it felt a lot less like work especially for a teenager I'm sure I mean it felt less like work for me I'm sure it felt like that for her which was nice yeah, I think that's one of the things we've tried to instill in not only the girls, but our our team, like just to make, try to make work fun and, and be professional and take it seriously. But when you can make it less like work and it, we got a lot of, a lot accomplished. We had a great dinner and I think she was into it and her team was into it. Yeah, I think that was definitely a goal for all of us and our team for the years to have if it's not fun, then what's the point? Let's just make, try to make every experience a lot more fun. Not that we weren't having fun before, but I think when you make a conscious effort to do anything, it it it's um, it shows. And so it was a fun night. It was nice to like talk with the team and 
in like a different setting and not like work mode. Yeah, I think because we don't have an outside office yet for obvious reasons. We've, we haven't done it with, because of COVID. So we have a couple of people come to our house every day and, and that probably adds a little bit of extra pressure on people. Not only they're, they're not only coming to, to work, they're coming to work at someone's house. So it's nice to get everybody out in a social setting yeah, and that was fun. see everyone cut loose a little bit and, yeah. and relax. It was cool. It was cool. So. And uh, a little something happened when we left the restaurant. Paparazzi was waiting for us, and uh, they asked me to speak on something that happened that was online, and um, I did. I think I do a really good job of not clapping back like I used to when all this first started, trying to, like, people think they know things, and I'm trying to speak up for my kids or my family and it's uh I've learned it's just not worth it to give it the attention but I was asked about a specific prank video and I said what was on my mind and I just in the moment it was hard like the prank was I don't know that the prank was for her but she definitely got dinged in the in the midst of it and she was really bummed out about it. And as her mom, I wanted to say that it wasn't cool. And uh, she was hurt by it. And there was a lot of people that were like, as a mom should, you know, but a lot of people were like, she needs to sit down and she's soft. And I don't do that stuff normally. I don't usually respond to things like that, but I couldn't help it in the moment. Look, I will do anything to protect the girls and I try not to get involved. And I think it comes from my childhood that my mom worked a lot and I had to kind of figure things out for myself. And I think it was very beneficial for my upbringing. And Dixie would often say, oh, everyone's intimidated by you. But I never gave anybody reason to be intimidated, but I only get involved in stuff when, you know, someone puts a finger on either the girl, we're going to have a serious issue. But I kind of let the girls figure out how to deal through these life situations. That's, that's the first thing. Second of all, I was a silly 19-year-old college kid who was broke and had very little notoriety except on campus, and I was probably an asshole. I could not imagine being in these kids' situations where they have this incredible notoriety, tons of money, and I can't think of one time that any one of these kids has ever been not respectful towards us, and it's a tough balance, right? Part of me wants to sit there and stand up for my daughters, and part of me understands what what's going on and the game that's being played and what's happening, coupled with the fact you have a bunch of early 20s, late teenage kids that are that are out there dealing with fame and notoriety and all this stuff. And I, I think it's better to give them a pass. And I don't think anyone's done anything that crosses the line where I have to pull the dad card. Well, like we both have our POV on it that are different. And I think 
this kid's going to continue to do what he does and me speaking up on it isn't going to change that. And that's fine. The way I look at it is I want my girls to know that if I'm asked about it, that I have their back, especially she was bummed out about it. And I'm going to, if I'm asked about it, I'm going to speak about it truthfully but I'm not hung up on it. This isn't a topic of our life right now. It's just I was asked. I answered in the moment and uh, and literally keeping it moving. But, I mean, if there's a thought as these kids grow, like, well, you know, maybe that wasn't cool. And I don't know. Maybe he will never think that, and that's fine. But I don't really know him, and that's it. But I will say I think I've, over the years, you know, you're kind of like I don't get involved in and stuff and and you're right and I've learned because I used to get more involved with the kids and their f- friendships and stuff and I don't do that anymore and I've made a conscious effort to not do that anymore because you're right it is their life to figure out the ups and downs and relationships and friendships and all of that and I don't want to overstep you know it's harder when the whole internet is has an opinion on it but I've learned it's better for them to let themselves figure it out and not get involved. Moving right along. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. But we did something else fun this weekend. <laughs> so, wait, when did this when did this whole thing start? Well, we used to watch Entourage. I guess when it, it was in real time. Yeah, it's going back. 15 years? 14, 15 years, and we watched it. And, Char- Charlie was like one or two. Right. Oh, my God. And I have been out to L.A. a lot, but we loved the show. And so we started being- Because they were New Yorkers, and we are like- you know, in that area. And so to see New Yorkers living in California was so interesting. So we started binge watching it over the weekend. And <laughs> it's kind of funny because the president of our D'Amelio family company now is Greg, who is definitely <laughs> Ari Goldish in, in a way. He's, he was an agent. We He came over from UTA to work with us. And in some ways, just not in, in the, other ways. In all the good ways. In like, all the good ways. He's like protects the family, like always looking to secure that deal. But like he doesn't scream. He not, like, he literally never raises his voice. Right. He doesn't throw anything. He's <laughs> not rude. Right. But he's uh, he's definitely he hustles. Like, but what's cool about it is, so we got to see the show over a decade ago and we weren't living here so now we're living here and even when the show started the previews and just just, there's so much there that we're like oh my god we we live right near that or we've been we've been to that place and it's kind of funny that as the show as we're progressing i think we're on season 
four right four. now. And we'll be through that by tonight. But it's, um, for people who don't know, it's these four, what are they, in their 20s, early 20s? Uh, one, of, one of them is, is an actor. And so they moved to L.A. And he's got this agent who's a wild He's rogue, and um, but the, it shows like the the challenges of now having fame and notoriety and people coming up to them and and all of that, which is that piece of it. I guess is I mean we have daughters, so it's a little bit different. But and and we're here as a family. But it's you know similar to a, a little bit of what the girls are experiencing. So it's interesting that side of it, but. There was no social media in it, which is a whole nother thing. And I keep like forgetting, like where, like why aren't they posting <laughs> when I'm watching it? Like they're all they're going to wherever. Why are they posting? So, but it's so fun to watch now that we live here for sure. And then we also noticed that. Um, so I had a, a clothing brand called Mad Soul, and I forgot all about it. That turtle wore Mad Soul, and and I don't even remember that. And all of a sudden. I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, he's wearing Matt's Hole again. Which that was, was kinda, so cool. Which is kind of, and that was such a big thing. Like back then, there wasn't, when I had my own clothing brand, there wasn't social media to the extent there is now. There were some videos. I think we had a video of Jay Z wearing some stuff and that was a big deal, but there really wasn't any way except to post it on your, your own website for anyone else to know that. So yeah. it was, it was really, that was pretty and cool. How, and, and to get your stuff into the hands of, the people, you know, if you're a small company, like trying to grow, I feel like it's a lot easier now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, we had to run, jump through hoops. You had to go. You had to like to advertise, put an ad in a magazine, which is super expensive. Yeah. Right. And I you remember had to compete that. with, there wasn't really, there was some, a little bit guerrilla marketing type things, but for the most part, it was, you had to play by, by the rules. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to be a certain kind of clothing company had to advertise in GQ. If you want to be an, like, like a streetwear company, you had to advertise in XXL or... Do you remember Yellow Rat Bastard? Yeah. That was a store downtown in New York City. That was a, one of the first stores but I didn't, got But don't they have into. a magazine too? Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Well, I think that's why you have so much appreciation for um, how to work social media because being an entrepreneur your whole life, like you live that trying to grow a business with no social media. And that's, you know, obviously you didn't know because it wasn't there, but you got into it really quickly when you realized like, wait a minute, hold on, this is a game changer. And and you did, you did great with it. I always tried to work smarter, not harder. And I remember when people used to handwrite orders and, and mail them. I was early on a fax machine. When people were started to fax, I was early on email and then uh, I've always tried to stay a step ahead. Did you have AOL? I did have AOL. That was your email address? It was madsales at AOL.com. M-A-D sales. Wait, do you remember? Didn't you have a Palm Pilot? Yeah. <laughs> you had all, anything new that came out where you were like, let's go get this. And I remember having the, like, the Palm Pilot, which had all your contacts, but you couldn't make a phone call off of it. So you'd right. have to carry your phone, a Palm Pilot. And then you'd have to look up a number, like a little black book, and and then I'm like in the phone book, probably. Yeah. Meanwhile, Steve Jobs was having the same problem. He was like, <laughs> "I have an idea. Let's bring <laughs> them all together in this nifty in this iPhone." Yeah. So, so wait, what was your first cell phone? My first cell Mo mobile phone. Yeah, my first 
I remember I was really early, like early 90s, like right out of college. I I didn't have one of those ones that looked like it had a huge battery pack that you had <laughs> like you antenna. were in, like in on the battlefield in World War II <laughs> kind of phone. I didn't have that one that you needed two hands to hold it. But I had one that was probably like a walkie-talkie size, but the antenna wouldn't go down. So I had this like eight-inch antenna oh, that would stick out of no. my pocket. And I remember I was on a... I was on in a business meeting and someone called my phone and everybody was like startled. Like the first time cavemen saw fire, they're like, what? What's you, ringing in your pocket? I was did like, you answer it? I was like, hello. Uh, did, you're like the coolest in the room. And meanwhile, this, this giant antenna. The antenna touched the ceiling. My first phone, I remember it was, um, it was a flip phone. I think it was red and silver. Oh, so I moved to New York City when I was 25, and I didn't have a cell phone. I had a beeper, but I couldn't take it because it was, like, local. Why did I... So, like... Why did you have a beeper? I wanted to, It sounds so shady. I had a beeper. Well, I was modeling, and I was, like, I would go to New Orleans a lot, and so, like, if my mom needed me or my dad, how else are they going to get in touch with me? We're in... We're on location. We're on sets. Like, there's no, like house phone like i don't know and so that was the reason for the beeper it was nothing weird trust me and then i moved to new york city it didn't ring the beeper and then so i just had my roommates and i had a phone in our apartment that was the only way i could get in touch with the, in touch with me and then i got a so wait you were the only person <laughs> using a beeper for legal activities 99.9 percent of the world you used a beeper I for illegal activities that. you know, you just you're you no. you know what when you have daughters and they're you know they're in their 20s and they're working and they're going out like you need to be able to contact them absolutely like, yeah god forbid but um yeah so i had a beeper wow i had a beeper that's like it sounds so weird i would notice you'd stand out on the street with your <laughs> always checking never. your beeper and now it's all coming together i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced as a parent? I mean, I feel like there was some in every sort of phase. You know what I mean? Like you have newborn phase. You have like all these toddler phase, like all these phases. Do you want to talk I, about I, teens? No, I think it gets <laughs> back current? to what we were talking about earlier. My biggest challenge is is giving advice and parenting, but not being overbearing that they don't learn the lessons for themselves because I think if you just do everything and you look, we're so from the time they're born, you're so you're checking them to make sure they're breathing. You're watching them as they're walking to make sure they don't, they don't fall and crack their head open. We're all as parents. And then as they're getting into social situations, you're 
trying to guide them. And I think the balance, which is tough, is I think if you overparent and you and you don't let them make mistakes, it hurts them more in the long run. And I firmly believe that. And I I look, I think you always <laughs> run into situations where like you know, my mom never told me don't put flammable liquids on your model cars and light them on fire in my bedroom. But you did it anyway. But I did that and I learned the lesson that the whole room could catch on fire and you'd have to douse it out with a bowl of water that you scrambled around while your mom was at work. And then you had to take the carpet and lift the whole bed up, take the carpet, move it around <laughs> so the burn stain would never be found. And never did it again after that. <laughs> but So you learned the lesson. But I risked the I risked burning my entire house down and there was countless episodes of things I did like that that Okay, made so me learn a let's say our kids did that. How would you react? Like, first of all, did your mom find out? No. How would you react if the exact same thing happened and let's say a year later you found out, like you found the burn mark under the rug? I would probably roll my eyes like I do and and say, you know, you could have burned the whole house down, you could have injured other people, blah, 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 and done all that. And But with that, I never did it again. Yeah. Something that was that is challenging for me, especially when they were younger, I don't know. I think I was pretty tough on the girls in a lot of ways of like, like they had to do chores. They had to, you know, be a part of the family and contribute. And all of those things were really important to me. Um, and then just normal, like, life lesson type things. But this is something that I always struggled with. We had this conversation, I think, before we had kids of, I didn't want them to do the right thing. And this is something I learned from you, right? I didn't want them to do the right thing because they were scared of us. I, we wanted them to do the right thing because it was the right thing to do. So how do you teach them that? And I think that was hard for me because I just wanted to say, like, no, don't do that because I said so. And I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot more that goes into it. And it's hard because there's a lot going on. There's school, there's work, there's, you know, life happening. And it's hard to take those moments every time and sit down and let me tell you why and blah, blah, blah. And I think what happened was it happened over time. And it wasn't like, like a lot of little things added up to that's kind of was what we were trying to accomplish. And, you know, I know they don't want to like they have this thing. They don't want to disappoint us. But they I think something we instilled in them is like no matter what it is, like we're still going to love you. We're still going to support you and and help you figure out like, OK, how do you not do that again? Like what did what were you thinking? Why would you do that? And like. Let's not let's not do that again or whatever. So that's probably been the biggest challenge for me is taking the time to, you know, do that. So. I, I think people would be surprised that the girls were, were taught to have – to be well-mannered, to be respectful. And it wasn't something we had to drive home to them all the time. They, they, they would say, yeah – 
not to me as much. I didn't want them to say yes, sir, to me, actually. <laughs> but they would say, instead of saying what or huh. Or yes, say, please. Or yes, ma'am. ma'am. And I think we showed them, we led by example. I don't know where I got it from, but I always held the door open for people and and little things that were my pet peeves of like people that that litter and and mm-hmm. and aren't respectful of 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 others it's just something that i don't really really know where i picked it up maybe a little bit from my mom and dad probably but i f- yeah i f- you know people f- have their perceptions of what the girls are like I can only go by, like, I know that they're respectful. And, and there's been a couple of times that, like, like I'm not, not, not maybe a month ago, Charlie said something, and I turned around and looked at her because I was like, wow, she's never spoken to me like that. It was so, like, harsh. And she was like, I was talking to the dog. I would never speak to you that way. And I was like, I was just a little bit in shock. I don't know. I think being raised in the South, like, it's, you know, just... Be respectful to each other. It's not just her being respectful to me, just people just being respectful in general. And so anytime they work uh, or whether it's, you know, on a photo shoot or video, anything, or even like these Zoom meetings that they're having with like CEOs of companies, they always go back to their agent and say they are the most respectful like girls. They are not trying to talk over anybody, not trying to be know-it-alls, like just respectful of all the people in the room. And they're like really nice girls. <laughs> right. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I think we've done a good job not only with what's happened over the last 18 months with the girls and all the notoriety and everything, but overall, I know that we have a very good marriage and I think we've done a good job balancing all the pitfalls and stumbling blocks of uh, that make marriage sometimes tough. How do you think we've we've done that? And And do you think we have a good marriage? I think we have a really good marriage uh, from my point of view because in our marriage, I feel happy and fulfilled uh, with you as my partner. But, you know, over the years, 
Like, I think we always had fun. There's moments that do you get frustrated with each other or you're on different pages. You're kind of like going, you know, you're working. I'm home with the girls. There were like things like that. But we always like had fun mixed in with that. It wasn't like a lot of major drama, I feel. So I but I think for me personally, like, you know, after parenting for 19 years, I'm kind of probably over the last two years really tapping into who am I and what am I about? Because you get in that mom mode. And I think there were times where I was so into mom mode, I probably wasn't into the relationship mode as much. And that's when things would get frustrating. Like we were on different pages. I'm like, I'm trying to be a mom and do this stuff. And you're like at work and you're uh, commuting into New York City and come back and I'm exhausted and you're exhausted. So I, th- but we always did a good job of like, okay, we're in a rut and we got to get out of this because we both want the same thing. So your parents stayed married. My parents were divorced. And I think I didn't have a master plan, but I, I thought, I wanted to get married and I wanted to make sure that our marriage worked. And I do think I am a pretty good communicator. So I think when you go into a marriage wanting it to work, and I think I already weeded out the people that would not be compatible with. The number one thing I think that that makes it work is that neither of us dig, both of us want to have a good marriage. And I think that's key. And the other is we don't dig our heels in and we don't hold grudges. There's, we have to get, if there is something that we're on the same team, we have the same goals in mind. And my only issue has been with, with you is you're not the best sometimes at at putting your like we said earlier like putting yourself first and giving me a roadmap to say hey this is what i want and i think over the last couple of years you've gotten gotten better at that but i do think there are family like we would see couples that were would be they would make us uncomfortable to be around because all they would be doing was arguing and and the other thing that I think that we've never done is disrespected each other in general, but more importantly, not as more importantly, but as important, we would never disrespect each other in front of anyone else. And I see that all All the the time. time. Wives just, he's this or he's that. And like, I'll see you looking at them. I'm like, oh man, I hope she really does feel that (laughs) positively about me because like you'd never do that. Uh, Honestly, even if I felt that way, like, listen, if I had one of those days where I was like frustrated and annoyed by, we just weren't on the same page or whatever. And I'm hanging out with my girlfriends. I would never bash you ever because it's a moment. It's not who you are. It's and and it's half me. You know, it's like it's a two way street. So the reason I'm frustrated has a lot more to do with like, oh, Mark's an asshole. Like it's not. And I don't feel that way because I think we're just really, really good for each other. As far as I know, I don't think you bash me either. Well, I think what's interesting and sometimes... But if anyone's ever heard him bash <laughs> me, please text me. <laughs> no, I think what's what what makes 
it tough for me sometimes is like I wish and I, I want to try to do a better job at this, like telling you how I feel about you like you weren't there. Because when I'm talking about you to someone else and people are like, oh, my God, your wife's so cool. I'm like, oh, let me tell you how great she is or no, it's not like but you don't wake up in the morning and just sit there and tell no tell me uh, people all the time say your husband says the nicest things about you he is always like he's your biggest cheerleader and i'm like really <laughs> and i don't even know this like tell me so okay you you were saying you wish i did a better job of letting you know blah 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 I think over the last two years, that's kind of like I'm learning. And so now I can tell you and I'm telling you now, tell me all those nice things. Yeah. It just sometimes Give me attention. it's like there's issues happening or the dogs are barking or we have four dogs. Drumming. Those, excuse me, sir. Those sound like excuses. Yes, they are. Thank they you. Are. And then, the, but it goes both ways. Like you tell me as well, like how I can bring more to the relationship that is better for you. I just think we're we're smart about it and we just say, all right, look, we're this marriage isn't going anywhere. So a week from now we're going to be fine. Why can't we be fine an hour from now? Cuz why Why drag it on? Yeah, and I see couples that Because we want to do, do the, fun things, so yeah, we're like, okay, like, can dude, we be done with this? <laughs> like I don't need the silent treatment. I'm I'm so I'm sorry. And you have, you really struggle. I don't know if it's, you don't want to admit you're wrong, which I mean, come on, let's be honest. There's times that yeah. you should say sorry. And you make it, and what you do is you make a joke out of it. And that just annoys yeah, me Yeah, so I do. And I've learned sometimes recently to just take your medicine. And even if it's not, and even it's deep even down bad. inside, you know, it's probably <laughs> maybe only 10% your fault, oh. maybe eight single digits. Like just what? say you're sorry and let's not drag this on. And, but, and... but I don't want an I'm sorry. So, so we can just like, you, just to like put a bandaid on it. No, like if I, no. if I'm like upset, it's because something is bothering me and we got to like, I want you to know why I'm upset. And so I have to do a better job of telling no, you. No, I know why you're upset. I don't agree with it. And, but to save Wait. us from a, a days of arguing, I just say, I'm sorry. And then okay. it's all better. Hold on. It doesn't matter what you think. If I'm upset, that's valid. It just matters that my sorry is convincing enough to move oh, on. I am... I'm done with this date. Oh, like, wait, we have so much to talk about. But whatever. All that being said, like, I'm happy and I love you and it works. So I guess we're doing something right. Sounds convincing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. Anyway, so I just wanted... You... Oh, go ahead. No, I just want to tell you I'm sorry if <laughs> this didn't work out really as we planned. It's And then my sincerest apologies. This wasn't the best date we've been on. <laughs> You know what? I do feel that these podcast sessions with you are good for us to talk through things. We have a lot more to talk about off mic. No, but it's good because I think we all need to have some self-realization. Yeah. And people can't see our faces. Like we were, we were <laughs> smiling through this whole thing. But thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Mark. Thanks, Heidi. Don't forget to follow us uh, on my socials at Mark D'Amelio. Follow me at Heidi D'Amelio. Don't forget to subscribe and share. 
And if you think we did a good job, especially because I'm going to be in trouble after this, <laughs> give us five stars. It'd be very nice. And that's it, man. Thanks a lot. This was awesome. Can't wait to talk to you again soon, Heidi. Yeah, same. So sorry. Oh, my gosh. Apologies. Love you, Mark. Apologies accepted. This was fun. See you next time. Bye. Bye.